Hi there, and welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Jamie Hampton, and today I'm here with speaker and radio host, consultant, author, and founder of the I Can't Come Down Conference, Rachel G. Scott. Rachel, thanks Hi. for being here. Thank you, Jamie, so much for having me. I'm excited. Me too. Me too. I love what you're doing. Um, but before we get into the good stuff, we always like to ask our guests, um, what is your favorite prayer closet? Where do you like to go to be close to God? Oh, that's good. Uh, I would say that I just rearranged my family area and it's nice and cozy and it has everything around it that I need to just really get into the space that I need to, um, to have quiet time with God. So I would say in that area. It's always nice to have a place that's convenient and easy to get to that's <laughs> in your home. And yeah, I love it. Thank um, you. Well, tell us a little bit about I can't come down. I, I love it. I got to watch the conference. Well, I got to watch, I still can't come down. So that was yes. year, year two of the conference, right? Yes. Yes. Um, but tell us about it. Where, where did the name come from? What sparked your passion for this movement and what is it all about? Absolutely. So I was reading the book of Nehemiah and this was some years ago and I came across Nehemiah 6.3 and he said, I'm working on something great and I can't come down. And when I read that, it literally just like pricked me. I'm like this, wait, and I'm rereading it. Like this is something that needs to be lived by everything that he walked through. And then they say, you know, I understand that I have these other people that are pulling for my attention and these enemies coming against me, but to know that what I'm working on is great. I can't come down from what I am working on, no matter what it is. And for him, it was the wall. So it, it burst out of that moment. And when it first was something that God brought to my heart, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a ministry or anything like that. It was literally just words that I spoke to myself in difficult times, words that I remind myself of. And so I always used to say it was like this back pocket idea that huh, this could become something a little bit larger. But for now, I'm going to hold this one for me. And one day I heard God tell me, I want you to do a conference. I'm like, a conference? Who's going to come to a conference? I didn't really know anyone. I'm like, <laughs> OK, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be obedient, you know. And I put on this conference in some way. It, it, I put it through like the event, right? And it goes through onto the Facebook and people from all over start responding. And I didn't pay for any advertisement. And I'm like, what's wow. going on right now? <laughs> and the, what was supposed to be, I, let me, let me preface by saying, I agreed to doing the conference with God for 40 people. I was like, I can handle about 40 people coming to a conference. <laughs> I'd gone to someone else's conference and the person was like, yeah, she started with 40 people. And this was around the time God was starting this conference in me. Oh, I could handle 40 people. No problem. <laughs> Next thing I know, I had like 280 people sign up. And I'm like, wow, I don't know if this is what I agreed to, but okay. And I know for some people, that's like not a lot for me, the person who agreed to 40 people, because I'm like, no one knows me, you know? And the next thing I know is this um, God began to expand the message and grow the message of I can't come down. And I realized absolutely it is the message that people are being drawn to this constant reminder that what you are doing is great. What you are doing is an assignment from God and you can't come down from that. 
Wow. Oh, I just love that. And I love the story of, you know, okay, God, I'll do this on my terms. I'll do 40, yes. 40 people. And he's like, well, I got you hooked now. And he just throws that extra, you know, 240 people. Right, right. And it's so funny because I have people there, of course, that I knew. And they were like, you know, all these people. I was like, no, the people that I know are volunteers because I didn't expect this many people to come. So Right. You got 40 <laughs> volunteers for all of the other. <laughs> right. That is so neat. Well, and isn't that just there are sometimes, you know, when you get an idea and you want to do something and it's not in God's timing or in God's strength and you try to make it happen and you chisel right. away and it, nothing happens. And this is, you know, not that sometimes God's calling doesn't just come together or fall in like that, but right. But other you times. To just, you know, put it out there and it just had to be a God thing that you got all of these people responding. So had you already set a date when you put the information out for the conference, were you like all of a sudden scrambling to expand what you had pictured and, and get a venue that would hold all those people? Right. So I actually had set a date and I did have a venue, but when I initially set the venue, it was I didn't need as much as I had to later go back and say, hey, I need to expand, you know, the space that I'm going to have. So I said yes, like you said, on my terms, thinking that it wasn't what God was about to expand it and grow it into. Mm -hmm. um, so I had some of the details, but definitely not all the information. But I, my yes was to the fact that I truly believe that this was a message that people needed to hear. And I believe that it was a message that was for that time. And that was going to resonate. Well, I, I love the message of it. And, um, I just, when I first read about your message without actually hearing it from you, I thought, hmm, why Nehemiah, you know, you're ministering to women. You could have picked any woman of the Bible or whatever. Why Nehemiah? And I know now, but I want you to tell us why, why Nehemiah? You know, it's so funny that you asked that question because honestly, when I first came out, that was the same thought that I that I thought. There were plenty of women in the Bible. And I truly believe it's because so often as women, we don't embrace what we're called to carry. We don't embrace the fact that there's something great within us. And I and I believe that what God wanted to do was release a consistent sound that I have something great for women to do. And they need to be reminded that within them is the ability to write the book within them is the ability to start the podcast or the business or the ministry or whatever it is. And there's this delay that we, we tend to have that Nehemiah reveals to us. We don't have to operate in. He went forth with all the obstacles against him. He continued to move forward. And so I think it was more about the message than the person of Nehemiah. It was about what he represents to us and for us. Absolutely. And there's, there's so much good stuff in, in the message that you have to deliver. I don't want to ruin it all <laughs> for people that want to hear, you know, from the conference, but, um, but in your talk, in, in the keynote talk that you give at the, your second conference at I Still Can't Come Down, which that was completely virtual, wasn't it? It was. Yes. Okay. Virtual conference. Um, you talk about how before you can be driven, you need to be directed. And I loved that because kind of like we were talking about earlier, you can have the greatest idea and you can go at it hard and spend all of your time or money or energy on it. And if it's not what God has for you, it's not going to prosper. It's not going right. to, to pan out in the way that it should. Or if it does pan out, 
it's not going to reach the people that God intended you to reach with what he had for you. So exactly. So how does that look in your life being directed first? What do you do? Like, let's say you have an idea. How do you go about taking it to God and finding out if it's something that's from him? Um, or on the other hand, how do you, how do you seek his direction when you don't have any idea what he wants you to do? Absolutely. One of the things I like to uh, encourage people to do is understand that some of the things God causes to do is what I like to call your back, a back pocket idea. Mm-hmm. So it's something that is going to be released at a later time, but it may not be relevant right in that moment, or it may not be something that you can do, but it's not intended for us to just toss to the side. It goes in the back pocket. And then at the opportune time, it, it is something that we can release. What I have found in my journey is God knows I can quickly get overwhelmed <laughs> with things. So something he'll do is I'll get this idea and I'm like, okay, let me script everything out, write it out. And then he's like, okay, set it to the side. Okay. And then an opportunity will come up and I am now not under the pressure of trying to put all the pieces together. I'll think, you know what? I think I wrote something in my Google doc about something that had to do with that. And I'll go back and everything I need is there. And I'm like, he's like, yeah, because when the opportunity came up, I didn't want you to feel overwhelmed with feeling like you had to start from scratch. So, and being directed is literally learning how does God invite us into his bigger picture? How does he invite us into his plan? He knows how we function. He knows how we operate. So is his invitation going to say, hey, at night, I'm going to give you these ideas and I just want you to write them out, but keep them in a place where you'll know where they're at. Because if you're like me, I have a ton of notebooks and if If God were to tell me to go to one of those and pull something out, I'm like, which one? (laughs) But for me, I'll put it in like a Google Doc because I can search. It may be that. It may be that, you know, during a car ride, he'll have you recording something. However, he speaks to you being willing to capture that and put it somewhere because he then can direct the next step because you have access to the last one. So knowing that he's not going to give me the next step until I'm obedient to the last, but also he's going to give me instruction for each step along the way. Wow. That is such a practical tool to write things down or, and to have it in a document that's searchable. Cause that's my problem too, is I can't remember where I put it, which, you know, which place virtual or physical did I put right. it down? So just have it somewhere searchable is good, but isn't that, I love the like tailor-made way that that God speaks to you and he does that for all of us but it takes work to discover it I mean it didn't just come to you oh this is this is what God's doing you have to work at that relationship with God and talk to him regularly and experience the way that he communicates to you as an individual right before you can Yes. So it's interesting that you say that because a couple of years ago, I realized that I struggled in my prayer time with God and I couldn't quite figure out why. And I realized that it was because, you know, in church, you learn pray like this. Don't pray like that. Say this. Don't say that. Stand, sit down, hold your hands together, hold them apart, be on your knees. You learn all of these things, which are great. But then when I, when I was sitting down to pray, I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I do the checklist. Mm -hmm. And I realized that really what God wanted me to do was sit and learn to listen. And it's from that posture of listening to him that 
I was able to embrace how my conversation with God was gonna look. And as that took place, I was able to hear when he would tell me to go left or when he would tell me to go right. So truly realizing that God is gonna have a unique way of speaking to us. Sometimes it's gonna be on a car ride, but being positioned to listen on that car ride, being positioned to hear from him on that car ride and saying, okay, I'm available you know, for whatever you, you want to say to me during this time. Yeah. And I mean, that listening is something I think, especially today with our, just we're, we're constantly having input put in from electronics, from other people. We're multitasking, we're, we're busy people and taking time to listen and to allow God to, to make the moves is sometimes hard. I think, I think we think that we need to go, you know, check our prayer list off or, you know, go through the checklist of how to pray, but we sometimes don't just wait. That's really challenging. I think that's a really good challenge is to sit. And I know I'm, I'm thinking about that now of like, you know, I need to discover a little bit more about God's personal style of communicating with me. And maybe looking back on different times when you've prayed to God, I, I know I've seen patterns in, especially with decision-making. That's one way that I, my husband and I have moved many times. We've had lots of like kind of pivotal life decisions to make along the way with jobs and locations and things. And I've started to see patterns of, you know, okay, I'm not going to stress about this. Cause I, I used to think that I had to know like with a neon sign that I was making the right decision before I moved forward. And sometimes you don't have that luxury. And so I've stopped stressing about that because I've seen God go before me and just, okay, this is the best that we can do right now is make this choice. Not, neither of us feels 110% like it's the right one, but we both agree on it. So let's just move in that direction and see what God does. And he always comes through. Always. Um, but just in my personal prayer life with, you know, my day by day and step by step. What do you want me to do next, God? That's where I need to work on that in seeing those patterns and kind of how he works. And yeah. Yeah. And, and what I realized is that as, as we sit and listen, what it does is it builds our confidence in the fact that when I begin to pray, he hears me because he begins to share things from his heart that are on my heart, you know? So I, the listening and the praying go hand in hand but I don't know if you've ever been in a season where you were praying and praying. You're like, God, do you even hear me? Because oh, yeah. things are not going in that direction. Uh, but as I'm listening and he begins to pour himself back to me through the word or through just the stillness or, you know, literally just hearing things that I, I know that that has to be him. Sometimes God will say things and I'm like, that's got to be God because I am not that smart. That was really good. Let me write that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that smart. And so I love when God does that because it shows me that as I listen, I get to actually hear that what I'm speaking to him in my prayer time, now that I have developed a way of praying to him that I can be confident in because he has shown me multiple times in his response that, hey, I heard you. And so by faith, this is done. Oh, yeah. I love that. And, you know, in in your talk, in the, in your keynote talk in, at the conference, you taught, you kind of liken God's voice to a GPS. And I love that. And 
my question for you is what um, in your own life or in, in people that you've talked to, what role would you say um, or what, what does prayer look like when you need to be redirected? Like if you've gotten off the path and I, and I hear, you know, I hear the GPS voice saying recalculating, recalculating, what does it look like to the person listening now who might feel like she's gone off course or done her own thing and it's not working out and wants to get back on track? What would you say that process would look like for connecting with God and seeking the next steps to get back on track? Absolutely. What the first thing I would say is just begin to talk to him and we have to change how we view God. I like to give this example. We've all had that friend who, when we call the friend, we haven't talked to them in maybe say six, seven months. And they're like, oh, hey, where have you been? I haven't talked to you in a long time. You know, haven't heard in a while. Pour on the guilt. What's been going on? (laughs) Pour on the guilt, right? And we tend to look at God like he's that friend. But then we've all had that other friend who we call And it was as if we never skipped a beat. And we're like, oh my goodness, how are you doing? I've missed you so much. Tell me what's been going on. Let's catch up. Well, this is going on at work with me. And it's as if we've talked every day, even though we haven't talked in six months. Mm -hmm. That's the friend we have in Jesus. And I love to remind people that he's not that other friend who's going to say, well, finally got to hear from you, you know, but he is a friend who, when you decide to re-engage that conversation, he just wants to be caught back up. And then from there, it's smooth, it's smooth sailing. That's who he is. So when we re-enter the conversation of prayer, we re-enter it knowing the friend that we have in him is that friend. I picture the prodigal son, you know, and not that, that prayer and not praying for a while is like the prodigal son, but in a way, I guess it is if you've kind of strayed and forgotten about God, but you know, just the joy that that father received his child with, with just like abandonment and I, I love that picture. Um, yes. But yeah, prayer guilt, I think is such a barrier between us and, you know, and, and having an abundant life and, a, and an abundant relationship with God. Yes. So what do you think um, that like the two different sides of the coin with finding your purpose and living it out? What do you think could happen to a woman who is driven, like a very like on top of things person, but misses the direction part. And then on the other side of the coin, what could happen to the woman who is directed, but is either afraid or hesitant and, or doesn't move forward in what she knows that God or suspects that God is calling her to like, what could that look like? So for, I would like to first redefine in some of our minds the differences between purpose and assignment because I think this is very important and when we talk about the book of Nehemiah this is what makes the book of Nehemiah so unique is that they all had the same purpose they were all going to build the wall when God showed me this what he defined purpose to me as is purpose literally is the reason to which we exist that's the that's the definition of purpose in the dictionary And the reason we exist is to bring souls into the kingdom of God. So I like to answer that question. That is one of the top questions asked around the world. What is my purpose? As a follower of Christ, our purpose is to bring souls into the kingdom of God. Our assignment is how we do that. Oh, I love that. Wow. Stop. Everybody stop and just think (laughs) about that for a minute, because that is really powerful. I have not heard it described that way. So I really 
think that's important that we can all share the same overall purpose, but how we get it done is the reason we're created differently. The reason we're the body of Christ and not just, you know, a million thumbs. Yes, exactly. And that to me is so key because now that I understand that my purpose really helps fulfill the, the overall mission it is the purpose. So that's why when I'm talking, you'll hear, hear me say the purpose, the purpose. I don't even just refer to my purpose, mm-hmm. but my assignment becomes, it becomes different. It feels different now because if I'm, if I'm called to be a nurse, it's not just about me being a nurse. It is about me being a nurse that fulfills the purpose, that fulfills the reason to which I exist, which is to bring souls into the kingdom of God. If I'm called to be a teacher, my assignment now is completely shaped in light of what the purpose is is. And so when I'm delaying in that, then what I'm doing is I am not understanding my contribution to the overall purpose to which I exist. My contribution to you as my fellow sister in Christ, because we're working together, we're a body. And when I'm moving forward in it, I'm understanding that this is not about me. This is about what God has called to be done on the earth during this time. And I am moving forward with fulfilling that. Wow. That is really powerful. And it leads right into the second part. I love that. I keep saying, Oh, I love this about your talk, but (laughs) the thing that stood out to me that was so encouraging and just kind of lit a fire under me was you point out that Nehemiah's calling didn't even really benefit him directly. So talk about that and how it's so important to recognize that our calling, it's not, I'm going to, recognize my calling so I can live a fulfilled, happy life. I mean, that's part of it. God wants that for us, but what is the other part of that? And you know, what's the importance of recognizing that and explain how that's true with Nehemiah and us? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So Nehemiah was, um, he was literally completely separated from what was going on. You know, he was in Jerusalem. He was a cupbearer. His brother came to him and was informing him of what was happening in the area that he was connected to and his return was not because if he didn't return his life would be any different he was perfectly fine you know as as well as he could be but his return was because he was concerned about the people who were important to not only him but to God and he knew that these were God's people and they were important to God so the assignment that God has given me the importance of it is that I carry something that I can release to other people to help them fulfill what God has called them to do, to help them live the life that God has called them to live. And when I see it as just, okay, I'm going to do this because it benefits me, or I'm going to do this because, oh, I just felt led to do it. Then we miss the big, the bigger picture that it is part of fulfilling the purpose, whatever God is calling me to do. If I'm called to, to be a, an intercessor and I'm not doing that, then there are people who need my prayers that are not getting it. If I am called you know, to be a, a leader of some sort in a specific industry and I'm not walking in that industry, then there are people who are waiting for the direction that my leadership can take them that are not getting that. And Nehemiah understood I'm okay. I'm perfectly fine where I'm at, but I care so much about what God cares about. I care so deeply about the heart of God that I am going to completely do a a 360 or a 180 and go back to where 
I, I came from to try to rebuild this wall in this impossible but possible 52 days because I care about what concerns God. Yeah. And that, so my co-host Alana and I did an episode about motivational tendencies and how it, how it affects your prayer life. And so I'm just thinking about this. And the reason I think that this is so powerful for me is I'm, I'm definitely externally motivated by other people, other things. If, if I think that I, I feel like, well, I can handle it. If, if I fail doing this, or if, if I have to reap some kind of consequence, like I can handle that. It's no big deal. But when someone else is going to count on me for something, that's when I really get on top of things and get motivated. And so that's just a very, and of course, God and his purposes are, are what's at stake when we're not doing that job. And no matter how small or menial our assignment at that moment is, it's so important because if, you know, I'm just thinking of the, the body analogy and, you know, who's to say that, that the eye is more important than the big toe or that the spleen is less important than the heart. I mean, they all work together. And so when we are not working toward that, and if we're not recognizing and walking in those assignments, then the whole body suffers. Yes. And you said the key word there is assignments with an S. Right. Okay. All right. I want to go there. (laughs) With with an S because what we also tend to think is if I'm doing something I can't stand, well, I'm going to be doing this for forever. You know, there are people that are on their jobs right now and they're like, why am I here? I don't like this job. But when we don't view it as an assignment, that we don't fulfill what we're there for. And, it, and, and we tend to just linger there. But when we realize this is an assignment, I can now pray and ask God, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing here so that I can fulfill the assignment here and then move to the next one? Nehemiah was on assignment. He was not there for forever. He was there on an assignment because there were things that needed to be done um, at the wall, but also internally with the people. And he did that. And once his assignment was up and he had been there for some years, he returned. So it is so important for us to realize that the assignments change, Mm -hmm. you know, from one, from one season of life to the next. But what I do want to be able to say is I want to look back at that last season of the assignments I did and feel that God would say to me, well done in that assignment. Yes. And I think there's so much pressure. I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to, you know, especially I see this in my oldest child, who's 14. He's first year of high school, starting to look toward future college or career or both. And he feels this great pressure to figure out what one thing he's supposed to do. And it seems so daunting. It's like, if I make a mistake, if I, if I don't decide what I want to do now and what I'm supposed to do now, then I'm going to mess it up along the way. Um, And I think it takes a lot of pressure off to realize that God is that GPS that takes us step by step. And if we do get off on a, on a tangent, he recalculates, or he might take us to one place and then turn us around and go back to somewhere else. And I don't know, I'm I'm like maybe getting off on a tangent with the analogy, but I, but no, can can I hop in on there? Please. Yeah. Because that is actually something that God showed me some years ago because, you know, I went to school, then I went to college and I got my MBA and it was like, okay, go here to get the next thing and the next thing. And God was like, I am a creator of everything. 
And if the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, why would I only give the few laborers one thing to do? And, <laughs> oh, good point. <laughs> yeah. It's like, there's not enough people. So I'm one of those people that there's multiple, I have my hands in multiple pots. And what I'll find is that he will move certain things forward and something else will be kind of pushed to the background for that season. And then that will start slowly moving forward and something else will be pushed to the background. And so, because I'm one of those people who God has my yes, he's like, okay, if I have your yes, then I I have a few things I need you to do if you don't mind, you know? So just removing sometimes that idea that there's only one thing because it's so restrictive and we are creative beings created by a creator that it can be hard to say, okay, there's this one thing I'm going to be called to do. However, whatever I'm called to do, I want to please God in that assignment so that he knows that I'm willing to do the next thing he calls me to do. Yeah. It's that faithful with little, then I'll make you, I'll, I'll give you much. I'm butchering yes. that, but you know, he, he who is faithful with little will be given more. I, I know which one you're talking about. I don't know my heart, either. <laughs> but God will give you more. If you're, if you are obedient to one thing, he's going to keep yes. asking. That is, that's so freeing. And you know, you, you also talk a little bit about that in terms of friendships and how you've learned that not to be heartbroken or uh, feel guilty even when these different friendships and relationships throughout your life shift and move around because there are different assignments in relationships as well. And there could be endings or there could be pauses or redirections in those relationships too, that don't have to be bad. Right. You know, something I didn't do growing up was pray about my friendships and ask God, what is my assignment in this relationship? Mm-hmm. And recently I've been doing that. And it's it's been amazing because he's showing me that not everyone that I come into relationship with is called to be a friend. Relationships are relationships. You can have so many of those. It doesn't mean that they're a friendship, but also sometimes we confuse favor with friendship and we can have favor And that's what Nehemiah had. Nehemiah was able to get from where he was to where he um, was supposed to be to help with the rebuilding of the wall because he had favor along the way. That he wasn't the king's friend. He wasn't King Xerxes' friend. He he just had favor in that relationship. And there are times where when we we tend to do that, and I believe it's because we want people to know our heart. We want people to know I'm a genuine person. And we often establish that through friendship. But when we know that God is the one who who ultimately judges the heart, we don't have to prove that. We allow God to show himself through us. And those that he wants to connect us in friendship with, we will be able to, to, to distinguish that. And those that he wants to connect us just this is a favor relationship that's going to catapult the assignment I have in your life. He will show us that too. But learning that we don't have to prove that we are genuinely good people or that our hearts are right by way of friendship, but sometimes it's just trusting God and knowing that his character is in you and that is what's going to pour out of you. Yeah. And I mean, in a way it can be, I know for me as kind of a people pleaser, that's one of the things I've learned about myself. I don't want to label myself as that, but I I know that that's a tendency I have and it makes me want people to like me. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes that means, like you said, you feel like you need to invest in someone to make sure they know just how (laughs) nice you are (laughs) and whether it's true or not. And so, yeah, 
Yeah. I, I definitely think that view of friendship can, can really transform our relationships. So how important is it to have, to be intentional about your close friendships and having friends that are willing to build you up, to tell you like it is, even when it's hard and hold you accountable? It's really important along the way, because as God does the great work in you that he wants to do, sometimes we can get sidetracked and sometimes we can feel that this is all me or, you know, or I can't do it. You need the friends that'll say, Hey, this is God. And you also need the friends to say, Hey, you need to do this because you love God and he's calling you and you need the friends that'll push you. But I also have found that there are areas and seasons seasons in our life where God will consecrate us. And um, Catherine Kuhlman is someone who I love. And she says a consecrated life can be a lonely life at times. And it doesn't mean that that's always the case, but there are literally times when you are climbing up the mountain that God wants you to climb. And some people are like, Ooh, you're a little too high up the mountain. I'll see you when you come back over this way. And it can feel lonely, but that does not mean that you're going to stay alone. That doesn't mean that you're going to always be alone. There are seasons, seasons in our life where if God does not isolate us so that we can hear from him, we will constantly be drowned out and he will constantly be drowned out by the noise and the expectations and the words of other people that we're holding on to. Like this person said, I'm this, or this person said, I shouldn't do that. And there are seasons where he wants to silence the noise so that we can hear what he's calling us into and he will bring the right relationships and the right people and the people that were already in our life back into our life. Wow. That is, that is a very powerful, um, I don't know, idea, because I think, I, I think back to times when I've tried there just, I've had something come up that I just, I desperately need input from someone and I'll call someone, I'll text someone else. And I have my people, you know, the ones that I go to for advice or, you know, sometimes we have those ones that we go for validation or even to enable us in our wrong thinking. And so, you know, I'll go to all the different people and, and there've been times, a few times where I can't reach any of them. And I come to the point of thinking, Oh yeah, God, I forgot. I need to go to you. And I think he sometimes, like you said, maybe removes those influences for a period of time because we need just him. Yes. And that's freeing too, because I think our temptation is to think, well, if I'm, you know, isolated, not that we ever want to be fully isolated, but if you are feeling like you're not as connected with certain people, it might feel like, oh, is something wrong with me? Or am I, I don't know, failing them as a friend? Or am I, getting too wrapped up in this, whatever, and you know, the calling or the, whatever it is that you're doing the activity. So yeah, that's, that's a balance. You got to walk, I guess. Right. I literally walked through an entire season where I had all of these friends and then they each were like, dropping off. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, God, is it me? What am I doing? But I didn't realize he was separating me for that season so that I could hear what I needed to hear 
to move forward in this assignment, the I can't come down assignment. And he didn't want other people's thoughts and opinions because I am the same way. I, I value when, when there are people in my life, I value their wisdom. I value their perspective. I value what they see because I believe I should, you know, they're in my life for a reason, but there's this, this, this gray area where it can easily become I don't want to say idolatrous, but it can almost become that if I'm leaning on them more yeah. than I am on what God has spoken. So he he allowed that transition to take place because it really restructured my thinking about friendships and relationships and who I was going to be connected to and the season that I was in and ultimately my assignment in their life and their assignment in mine. That thought came to my mind, just the idea of idolatry, how we can, we can idolize people and that can be a, a barrier to doing the things God wants us to do. Yes. Cause then we, we don't ever launch. We don't ever jump out of the nest and yep. you know, like experience making those decisions and coming up with those things on our own. If we're too heavily relying on our mentors or our friends or our cheerleaders or whatever it is. So, yep. Well, what would you say to the woman right now who finds herself just kind of surrounded by accidental friends that aren't building her up or aren't supporting her in her goals, don't share her convictions or might even be bringing her down? Like what is, what's something practical she could do as a first step to move into being intentional about the people she surrounds herself with? Well, I love the idea of writing down, and I've done this several times, and I constantly do this. I write down the list of people that I am more regularly connected to as friends. And I look, there's this, this theory that one of my uh, best friends came up with named Maria, and she uh, broke it down into the three, the 12, and the 5,000. So the three are the people that God has put very closely to us. And typically there's only three people that they are involved in multiple areas of our life who will go to God on our behalf, who carry the wisdom of God and who, you know, care about family, business, all of those things. And then we have the 12. So the 12, I find are people who I have relationship with in specific areas. So, you know, we may homeschool. I'm a homeschool mom. Prior to COVID, I was a homeschool mom, but uh, it's, it's definitely heightened a bit some. But so I may just talk to this friend about, you know, homeschooling. I may have a friend who has a teenager. And so we're walking through that life together. I may not talk to them about everything, but in that area, there is such a connection. So those are like the 12 where they're in specific areas. And the 5,000 are the people that I've been called to pour out, like pour into, I mean. So I pour into those people. And what tends to happen is sometimes, especially when we don't know our unique gifting, we will try to make the 5,000 a part of the 12 and we get disappointed or we'll make the 12 a part of the three. And we're like, but no. And then, you know, we get disappointed. So when you write down the list of names and you really start to take inventory of what is my assignment in their life? What assignment do I see them fulfilling in my life? You know where to place them. And it, it really sets the right expectation for the relationships. So that's what I've done. Wrote, I've written down names, categorized relationships, and it literally helped me to not get upset when things weren't done that maybe a three should do. I'm like, well, why do I expect that from a 12? You know, there are 12. This is their specific area. So now a three, I might say, hey, now you're a three. And even with the threes, I we have the conversation. We're a three. The expectation of a three is a little bit more. And do you agree to the terms and conditions of being a three? <laughs> That's so good. 
that really is good to give it, give them name, you know, give, give it a category name. And yes. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> well, um, where can our listeners find out more about you online, find out about your conferences and all the things you do. You do so many different things um, and social media. Yes. So they can find me at I can't come down.com. And that is where they will find all the information about the conferences that I have coming up, the past conference, the I still can't come down conference. And I have several virtual conferences this year. I'm on Uversion as well. So they can find me on the Uversion app. If you type in, I can't come down and I've had several things. So you might just want to type in like Rachel Scott or Rachel G. Scott, and that'll come up. Um, and then Instagram, you can find me at I am Rachel G. Scott. I have a YouTube channel, Rachel G. Scott TV. Um, and I think that's it. Definitely something I want to encourage, encourage the listeners to do is I also have a book club, which has been an amazing experience to connect with people all over. So it's a virtual book club that they can, all they have to do is click join the book club. It'll prompt them into the text community where I talk to people live through the text community, uh, all about the books that we're reading. Oh, that's exciting. That's yes. a, that's a fun way to build community around different books. Yes. I love it. All right. Well, how can we pray for you today? I'm going to close this up in prayer. And how can I pray for you? Personal, professional, ministry, everything. Yes. Just, uh, I would say that God would continue to, to give me the next steps for this vision that he has, you know, that I don't allow myself to get in the way of what he wants to do, but that he would continue to, to provide the next steps and I will be obedient to those. Okay. As of this moment, do you have another, I can't come down conference scheduled, or are you still just waiting on that? So I actually have two conferences scheduled this month, not this month, this year. Uh, the, the, I can't come down conference will be in September. I'm also partnering with another, uh, organization and there will be, it's called a seat at the table. And that conference will be in April. Okay. All right. Well, Rachel, thank you for talking with us today. This is really fun. I've loved getting to listen to you and can't wait for the next stuff. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. God, we just thank you for this time together. Thank you for Rachel and just the passion that she has for pointing women toward pursuing their callings, um, just with, with total abandon. We just pray that you would be present here today, God, that each listener would be receiving from you guidance and direction and just a knowledge that they have been created uniquely for purposes that you've planned from before the beginning of time. God, for all of us, that we would open our eyes to your best for us, that we would not let our whims and hopes get in the way of the things that you want and that you would help us to discern um, the passions that you've placed in our heart and the ones that are just kind of coming up from within us. Um, Lord, I just lift up Rachel to you. I just think of in, in the Bible where it says, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. I feel like sometimes you show us right in front what the next step is, and sometimes you give us a big picture. We just pray for both of those things for Rachel, and just specifically right now that you would give her the next steps to take, that you would continue to 
attune her ears to your voice, that you would silence the enemy, that you would silence all of the other voices around her and just really clearly speak to what the next step is. God, we just pray for her family. We pray your blessing on her home. We pray your blessing on her ministry. And we just pray for these upcoming conferences and just pray your anointing on them, that you would be present, that you would accomplish the tasks that you've intended for them to accomplish, and that you would just continue to empower Rachel to be just a, a bold proclaimer of the gospel and to just be living out her assignments with purpose and, and just with power that is supernatural. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.